Hey there, welcome to A Woman's Sacred Truth, a podcast where we are going to explore some uncomfortable and often even painful experiences, but also the joy and satisfaction that comes from moving beyond what has hurt us as we reach new levels in our life, which feels like, honestly, the best thing ever. Welcome to episode three. Wow, that's just amazing for me to be able to say that. Oh, so fun. This is so just amazing. It's like I'm pinching myself that this is real. I'm so glad you're here with me today. You get to now meet my beautiful soul sister, former client and now friend, Tara. Tara, Tara, Tara. Oh boy, this woman, she has, um, boy, has she worked hard to get to where she is now today. She was on antidepressants for 20 years. She was put on them as a teenager. And now she's a mother of her own. And she really went through some things. <laughs> Not subtle. You know, for a lot of people, the trauma that they go through growing up, it's quite subtle. Um, Tara's was not. And so we're going to talk about the mother wound, the maternal energy that has come through from that side of her um, parental unit and just how that affected her and all the things that she has now improved upon in her own life as a mother it's just it's just beautiful and heartbreaking and all things wonderful now so welcome to a woman's sacred truth and here's tara enjoy I am so happy and so excited to be chatting with you. You're incredibly brave. You are so brave to say yes to me and to do this <laughs> and to share because, I mean, when did we meet? Two years ago? Yeah. About that. I think so. Yeah. Because what, you're 39 now? Not yet. Stop. <laughs> I'm turning 39 in November. <laughs> okay. So let's just, let me introduce or let me, uh, let me have you introduce yourself actually, and just tell us a couple of things so that whoever happens to be listening to this, they can just get a quick understanding of, you know, where you are and just, and then we'll start to dig into things. So yeah. A 38 year old mom in California to a lovely bright young six-year-old girl oh my god she's six um, now well she'll be she'll be six in november too so she's in kinder and she knows everything oh my god so fun right my son's in grade seven now it's uh, yeah. freaking me out <laughs> oh wow well my my stepkids are driving now yeah it's wild right it's yeah <laughs> so tell us let's start at the beginning because you were you grew up in california right mm -hmm. yeah born and raised never left yeah 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 and let's just get a little glimpse of of what some of that um, amazing childhood experience you had, and what ha and what led you to to me. How did we meet, and where were you, you know, when we first met? Right, if you want to kind of recall for a second where what, where you were really at, and what you were going through, and then what we uncovered you know, which wasn't really a surprise for you, right? But it was really kind of, I think, figuring out exactly how all those intense <laughs> things that you went through, right, in childhood, um, how they were actually affecting you, right? Yeah. So do you want to give a little glimpse into like what life was like with mom and dear old dad? 
Oh my God. I'm going to, you do this to me. I'm going to cry already. Um, <laughs> it's hard, um, right? Yeah. And it, I don't even know how to say it. it's not that it gets easier. You just find better ways to get, get through some of the memories, which I guess is um, one of those strengths that, that I've built with you. Yeah. I mean, my, my memories start, my parents divorced when I was three and I was mostly with my mom, um, growing up with her and a lot of struggles there, um, just with finances. And, you know, she was a self-employed woman and, you know, we would move a lot every two years at most. So you had a young single mom. Yeah. She was in her twenties. That's yeah. We would move in with whoever she was dating at the time and that would fizzle out and we would move again. We often would share a bedroom. And I think that that was huge for me, not having my own personal space growing up, especially in those grade school years and um, having to even share a bed with her for a certain amount of time. And I think, you know, walking through some of my past when we first started realizing chunks of memories that were missing. And I think, you know, those were suppressed for survival reasons. And then, you know, the, the other side of course is, is my dad and just recognizing the ways that I would care for him and protect him and feel the need to almost raise him, I think is kind of where we had landed at one point was having that perspective and recognizing that, you know, I'm still doing it. Just the effects that that had on my self-esteem, my relationships and decisions and path in life and yeah, going through and, and just unpacking all that. And it was such a hard process, you know, when we would encounter areas of my life that I had actively chosen not to revisit. And obviously they were very triggering and you know, I do remember you asked some of the hard questions and I would give surface answers and you're like, nope, that's not it. Dig deeper. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely zero fun to look back at reality rather than what we blocked out or didn't even understand at the time was actually hurting us. Right. Yeah. You know, we just Everybody wants to like hold on to like, it's the whole wishful thinking, right? I wish it was better. I wish it was different somehow. And we even go into like fantasy land in our minds when we know something's kind of sucky. Well, not even kind of like it straight up is. We wish it was better in some way. And so we just disconnect or completely block out like completely, right? If it's so painful, what we're going through, the mind just literally won't even hold memories. So common, right? Just to barely remember anything and then constantly be wishing that something was different somehow. You just, you, you were so caught between a rock and a hard place constantly. And so for you, it's so interesting now because you had such an intense, intense relationship with your mom um, in the way that she mistreated you. And then now here you are as mom of a little girl. So that's just like, 
yeah, what are your, what do you think about that? Or how have you been processing feeling that? Cause she's just still so young. Right. And everything that you went through and now you get to do it. Right. And <laughs> you know, I, there are certain things I look at and decisions I've made in my life. Um, you know, I, I left her father when she was four months old. And I remember when I was making that decision, I knew I had my, my right reasons for doing it. And I still felt like, am I repeating unhealthy patterns? Wow. You had that awareness then, hey? Yeah. And I second guessed myself for a while, but when him and I would go to couples counseling, um, it became very clear that, you know, this wasn't just a subconscious me repeating my past. This just happened to be a path that I'm on. And, and this was just what, what needed to happen. And yeah, it, it was really difficult to face a lot of the, the issues that were around my mom because she passed away 11 years ago now. And it, it's hard to talk about your mother when she's not here to, to say, maybe I didn't remember correctly, or maybe this is her perspective or to, you know, kind of defend herself in a way. But there's also a lot of healing in recognizing the truth and just kind of owning that regardless what her perspective was, there's still my truth in the way that things happened in certain situations. Let's talk about that for a minute, because again, you know, you've been given the gift of a little girl, right? So, so this is going to be, you know, kind of like the ultimate theme or whatever in, in your life that you had this abusive, really dysfunctional relationship with your own mom and, and now to be a mom, right? To a little girl. So to reflect on all that and over 10 years now, she's, your mom died. Yeah. Right. And it was breast cancer, right? That she, yes. Right. So, and she was only 50, how old was she when she died? Is it 52? Oh my goodness. I'm 52. (laughs) So right there, you know, your mom had a hard life. There's no question. She had a very, she had a very, very hard life. Oh my goodness. So, and, and it's, it's always, um, I want to say actually easy to, to kind of look at someone's life when, now that they've died right? So, cause you actually know how they've died and you know how old they were and all that kind of thing. Right. So it's like, wow. Okay. So here's this woman who happened to be your mom and, and to know that she ended up getting breast cancer and died at a very young age. So right there, it just shows a lot of the things that she was holding on to herself. Right. And you know, some of the details of her own childhood. Right. So all of that is, you know, it makes it, I find anyways, because my dad's died as well, right? So it makes it a lot easier, I think, to come to a place of understanding and eventually some compassion and, and forgiveness once someone's gone. It's actually so much easier once they're gone. When they're still alive, they're still like this human, just like, uh, you know, <laughs> I wish they could this or that, right? Or I, I wish that we could, you know, Mm, you know, just connect in an easier way or this or that. But once they're gone, it's like, oh, all that human struggle and human this and that and, you know, immature wishes and desires that someone could, something that could have been different or it could even be different now. It just all vanishes. 
because it's like impossible, right? So, so you now have this full spectrum story of, of your mom. And even though you went through some terribly painful (laughs) things at her hands, you know, abuse is abuse, right? So, you know, physical, verbal, all the things that she was projecting onto you and, and treating you, um, just so poorly, right? So painfully. And then again, it's like reconciling this, all these experiences that you had as a child and honoring all those tender, precious parts inside of you that didn't get what you needed and that were hurt terribly by your own mom. That is where, oh, I just... like, it makes me, it makes me feel sick. Right. Um, and so here you are now grown woman with your own child, your mom's been gone for 10 years and yet you still have to deal, honor, work through process all those past parts of you because they don't go away just because they're like in the past. Right. And so when we met, this is kind of what we, because you presented yourself to me so beautifully and shared a lot of the things that you were um, dealing with, right? So what what were some of the things that you were kind of sick and tired of dealing with a couple of years ago when you met, which is like the fallout from that kind of an intense childhood experience? So what was going on with you? Yeah, I, you know, at that time, it, I had this physical feeling inside that there was just something trying to get out, but it was just under this pile of bricks. That's so cool that you recognize that. Cause that's the signal, right? That's your body telling yeah. you. Yeah. I love that. And part of that pile of bricks was me just drinking more than a single mom should be. Um, and that's, that was how you and I met on Instagram. Cause you were drinking too much straight up. Yeah. And I had commented, I, I started following some, you know, sober women empowerment type pages and there was, um, one author and I had commented on, on her post and I think you liked it and started following me. And then I checked out your page and I was like, soul sister, <laughs> I want to chat with this woman. <laughs> It turns out we are. <laughs> yeah, we um, certainly are. <laughs> yeah, it was the best DM I ever sent. <laughs> Life changing, honestly. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, and and I do remember like the pain of breaking down those layers and and getting to that big ball of light and energy that that was stuck, you know, down pushed way down literally pushed right down because because it was like wasn't it depression anxiety you were on what were you taking at the time they had me on different antidepressants you know my mom had started me on antidepressants as a teen which was not the right thing to do but no no um, it wasn't (laughs) no I I finally no yeah and you know when when you and I were chatting and I had never ever thought that, you know, the anti-anxiety pills that I was given to stop my panic attacks, the Lexapro that I was on 
these were all mute buttons that I was just swallowing every day. These were also just as bad as the drinking to numb everything. I'm finally off of all prescriptions. How long have you been off everything? It took a good like six months to to phase off of Lexapro. Um, to wean off. That was yeah, horribly, yeah. horribly painful. There was points where I couldn't even drive. I mean, you just get these feelings of vertigo, like you're the floor in your brain is just dropping. And I would pull over the car just bawling and call either my boyfriend or a friend and be like, I am terrified I can't drive. Like, so it was, it was horrible coming off of the antidepressants. Once I got through that, I can't tell you the productivity levels I have hit, the yeah. creativity that has come through. I wake up earlier then and i feel good i i don't even drink coffee anymore i mean what i know <laughs> who am i <laughs> but honestly i i've i've had this revelation the last couple of weeks cuz there's been some some rough things happening you know people very close to me passing and a lot of shit that i've had to and i've been able to process but i've been able to and i have been able to support and love other people that that need it going through these hard times too and it occurred to me i think the antidepressants were making me depressed da, da, da. i feel what? like i think i was supposed to feel when i was taking the, if that makes sense you know what i mean right like this is the feeling i wanted right 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 so this is important so how long were you actually on it and what was the act because i know there's a handful of different types and so anyone who's listening because i know for a fact there are billions of people on these antidepressants um, and women in particular. So what, which one, which was that it was Lexapro? Yeah, that was um, the most recent one that I was on for like, after I stopped breastfeeding. So five years. Okay. And it was Wellbutrin before that? Uh, when I was a teenager, it was Wellbutrin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so when you started weaning, because I, like I said, I know that it, it's like, so the dosage and then it took you six months to like wean and go down to zero. Mm -hmm. And did you just do that yourself or did you actually like intuitively or did you consult and get that? No, no. I, I spoke with a, a doctor. Yeah. And, um, got the guidance there. I've had friends have reached out asking me, you know, my doctor gave me Lexapro. Should I take it? And I'm like, everybody's different. It's, I can't, you know, give you an answer, but here's my experience. And my experience is don't just go work through your shit with somebody like unpack. Yeah. Well, ultimately it's a bandaid, right? Like all medications are, are a bandaid and they're needed at times for sure. Um, but they are never meant to be a permanent fix because they don't fix anything. They mask it, right? They alter your inner makeup. And I know for some people, um, they actually do find the right balance or the right dose for themselves. And they are, um, they're super happy, right? Like, so they actually find something that works and, and they've kind of just come to terms, I guess, with taking, you know, a low level dose and it, it does the trick for them. And they still have all the other, like, let's say joys in their life. And so, Hey, that's wonderful. That's great. But then for, a whole host of more people, I find that um, they actually need to get off it completely. 
because, you know, there's so many downsides or side effects that it's taking away so much more joy and happiness and libido, you name it, right? It's like, oh, so that's when you know, I need to get off this completely. That's so amazing. Oh my God, that you did. Because that was like decades of, right? Yeah. And I think that's why it was so painful coming off of it. And trust me, during that process, I questioned that decision as well, you know, but very happy I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here you are. And so how are you now? I got to ask, <laughs> where are you at with the drinking? How is that in your life now? It's not like it was when I reached out to you. Um, I know you'd like to hear it's at a zero, but you know, in, in all honesty, it is still social. Um, my boyfriend and I will, will go out on our dates and enjoy some wine. So, you know, I, I have zero judgment around any of this, right? Cause everybody's totally different and everyone, if you're truly happy and your life feels peaceful and good and there's love and there's connection and it's like, you know, all these other things, if, if you choose to still have them in little places. Yeah. Have you struck the right balance in your life, right? Yeah. And and for me, one of the things that you had said during our sessions that still sticks with me is, you know, when I'm when I'm with my daughter, if I am drinking, I'm I'm numbing that connection between her and I. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's not just something that is affecting the way that I feel in that moment. She can feel that too. And so that's, that's where the pattern changed. And that's where I think the biggest growth um, in that aspect has happened. And this is going to, I'm going to guess, is going to always be your deepest motivation, right? Is because you've had the experience as a little girl in all the things that hurt and that you didn't like and that you're very aware of now how they actually affected you for like years and years and years and years and like really did a number on your self-esteem, self-worth, et cetera, et cetera. And in the way that you, your choices, right? So once you know all that and you get all that and you understand where it came from and you can see it so clearly, it almost feels like impossible because it is right to like do any of that to your own child. Right. So, yeah. And, and I just, I still, to this day, you know, if I smell like a strong amount of wine on a woman's breath, it is such a trigger for me. And I do just kind of tense up inside, you know, cause those, those were the times with my mother that just got so toxic and I never, I never want my daughter to feel that or have that memory of me and our relationship. Yeah. Like I said, what, what an adult does in their own time and in their own, you know, private, whatever rhetoric, or you are out with another adult, but children like straight up, never, ever should be around adults drinking ever, period. It's just such a scary experience for them. Right. And yeah, I'm speaking from experience as well. <laughs> it's like, it's the worst. I, I know. <laughs> it's so unsettling. Right. And I don't think that most adults understand that no child needs to be around adults doing drugs because that's what it is. I just think so many people don't give children the credit that is there as far as the information and the thing, the memories that they absorb. Like the example I gave, there's certain scents. If I smell a Revlon lipstick, you know, if I, there's, 
(laughs) Right. Your whole body like contracts and reacts in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've got such painful memories attached to all of that because it was so fucking scary. Kids don't miss anything. They feel everything. They don't know how to make sense of, of it, but they feel it and they know I'm not safe. I'm not safe. And that was so much of your childhood experience. I'm not safe. And then when they're 38, they have to go try and make sense of it. (laughs) (laughs) And so, right, you go through these experiences as a little kid and you don't feel safe because the adults are this, that and whatever, right? They're drinking themselves or, you know, very immature and just coming from their own place of trauma, making all the poor choices in their own lives. And you're just along for the ride. It's so unsettling. And then for you, a lot of the um, programming, right? The the storylines that because of the way your parents spoke to you, even though they didn't live together, right? But the way that they spoke to you and treated you then set you up to think a certain way about yourself, right? So then we set out and then we start making really poor choices ourselves and thinking so poorly about ourselves because the standard was set for you. So let's let's kind of shift into um, just a little bit on, you know, the effect that the way your dad didn't show up for you, how uh, you couldn't trust him and things like that, right? And so then this like really low standard is set for you. So then you become a young woman, late teens, early 20s, going into your life. And how did how did that kind of unfold for you? Well, I mean, I... I guess in some sense, you know, you, you look at your parents and that's just kind of what your expectations of the normal are. And with my dad, I mean, you know, I raised in the eighties, early nineties, and he's driving his truck with no seatbelt and a can of Budweiser between his knees. And I can remember being somewhere between six and nine years old. I mean, again, my timelines are, are horrible with my childhood because everything's been trying to get erased. Um, but I re- I remember saying to him, I'm like, daddy, isn't it illegal to drink and drive? I don't want you to get arrested. But he did get arrested in front of me, with me in the car. It's, that's still a painful one. And then, you know, he, that wasn't a learning lesson. He continued those behaviors. And, and what did you really learn from that, though? Because that is some deep imprinting going on right there for you, right? That my main man, my protector, my father, the man in my life, this is how much he cares for me. He kind of doesn't. I never saw him as as my protector. I was his protector. Oh, which all little girls, you know, they <laughs> That's the last thing in the world. Literally, the last thing I, in yeah, the world. I, I didn't have that that superhero dad. So you're going to form this incredible, like, wounded masculine um, kind of energy. The man in my life will never protect me. I can never trust him because, look, and just like you said, so these are my expectations because look what I'm getting. And so, again, we set out into the world, and then I'm sure very quickly – because now you can look back and see, look at the choices then I made, the kind of guys that I initially was connecting with, right? You mean like at, at 13 and dating dating what? a drug dealer? 
Can we say that on this podcast? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I love it that I said what, not even who. It's like, because what? Yeah. There you go. Right. Yeah, so there's the standard. There's your expectations. This is the kind of man then that I'm used to. So this is what I'll just continue to, because the standard is just set for us. Right. That's scary, man. Because how scary would you be as, a, how scared as a little girl would you be? No seatbelt. Dad's getting, did he go to jail? Yeah. I mean, I, I distinctly remember him like swerving over this windy road, driving on, you know, the opposite lane and I'm feeling terrified. So no surprise you're going to hook up with someone who's seriously risky. <laughs> yeah. Like alcoholics that needed right, fixing. Initially. That was so my jam. <laughs> and, and, but I can say was now, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Because yeah, I mean, you, you've, you've learned and you saw the pattern because it's always so clear with that kind of thing. And, and again, this is the beauty of the way that your life has been unfolding for you that, so yeah, the, the masculine wound from our fathers, it's like, oh boy, look at the men that I'm, you know, uh, uh, getting into relationships with what the F like, oh, you know, daddy issues are so real. I don't like saying it that way, but you know, it's just the, it's the masculine wound or the heartbreak from our fathers. And so we continue to attract and even desire to get into the same thing because that's our comfort zone. It's our comfort zone. Our wound is our comfort zone until we realize, oh, <laughs> I think I would like to heal this. And so, yeah, so I love that you, where you're at now within the relationship and everything you so good. So, 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 so good. But then now as a parent of a little girl, now you get to continually work through, I would say for you, it's definitely the deeper wound for you. And as we know, because we've talked about this before, your core wound, and this is something that I always want to talk about, your core wound is that feeling not good enough. The, the insecurities and the low self-esteem that came from it's not who you are, but that's what was, you know, developed or, or, you know, the program that was given to you because of this core wounding that you went through, you know, via the way your own mom treated you. So what a gift to have this little girl in your life now that it becomes this beautiful healing uh, relationship. So you get to give in a way to her that you never got and will never get. That's always the like, ugh, the, the, like, I'll never get it. Even and now she's gone. So like, literally, never, I will never get it from my own parent, all the things that I needed, wanted, wished. But now you get this beautiful opportunity to give it all, even though you never received it. You get to give it to her. And in that, you know, giving is getting, just so you know. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's the ultimate um, medicine as a parent once you realize that now I get to give and experience all these um, things, feelings, and have the kind of relationship that I always, you know, deep down wanted and deserved, right? So you get to build and heal and and it's just this incredible beautiful like win-win but I'm sure because I know too <laughs> you must still have moments where it's I guess it's kind of bittersweet right what do yeah, you think no I mean I still cry 
over her not being here, my mom. Um, I, I still miss her all the time. I like, yes, all, all of the still really. Yeah. 10 years um, later. I do. And, and I think a part of that is because I didn't take the time to grieve when she passed. I buried it. Well, you can't when you're drinking. Let's just like exactly. get That's that what I'm straight saying. or numbed out in any way from, yeah, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't process it. And so I'm paying the price for that. But now I'm, I'm, you know, accepting all of the emotions that, that come. And I've let go of a lot of the guilt and shame and, and things like that, that were between us. And yeah. Do you feel angry sometimes or what are the, when you, so when you are thinking about her or emotional, what still comes up for you? I don't feel, yeah. Okay. That's a lie. I do feel angry still. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, some of the more triggering memories from, from my childhood where she was abusive that I never talked to anybody about. And so I think because I kept those to myself and now knowing how much those moments shaped big parts of me, um, how much some of that created my own self-shame and these, this way of looking at myself, like, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm meant to just be low level or, or what, you know, whatever though I was. So yeah, I'm still angry. And so I don't know that I, I ever won't be about some of the things she did, but at least I've, I've talked about them now. I've allowed a little channel, a little way for them to, to get out it doesn't weigh as heavy. It's complicated. And, and, you know, you've told me before too, like anger is, is an emotion that's welcome. We need it. Yes. And you have a right to be angry. I do. I do. Yeah. Abuse. Like you went through, um, all forms of abuse with her. So we can just leave it at that, but like literally all the forms that you can think of. And so you have a right to be fucking angry about that. <laughs> And yet she's your mom and you love her. And, you know, it's so complicated. And so this is where, you know, kind of coming back to when we can understand and we can just look at this human being. And like I said, it is easier now that she's has died. It, it's just easier um, because where she is now is just, you know, it's just a spiritual place. Right. And so this is what I finally learned with my own dad dying and, you know, 20 years after he died, I finally went through those, um, end stages of grief and was able to reach a place where there's no more tears and ever, ever anymore. And whatever kind of, you know, disappointment of this, that, or whatever, um, or wishing something was different. And it's all just vanished because once I finally yeah, completely removed alcohol. And I think it was about a year and a half later, maybe two years later that I recognized or just started having these moments of dropping into deep spiritual, like profound spiritual connection. Right. And that's when I even first started to use the word God, which was bizarre. 
because I never, I didn't grow up with any sort of religious anything. Um, But it was that level of connecting so deeply with spirit and like the spiritual divine realms that you can only do when you are a clean, clear individual. You can't be escaping and numbing or on this or that or whatever. Like it's literally impossible. And then I was able to connect with my dad and where he's at now. So I had to meet him where he was at. And so that's literally what's on the menu for you still, because if there's still tears, you're still holding on to the past and and somehow what you wished was different. Yes, that's it. That's what I'm holding on to is the, you know, you see these kids that, that have, you know, these amazing grandparents that come and help and, you know, fucking heart. It was for me to move out on my own with a four month old and I had no family to help. It's just me. That was when I wished I had her. So you really followed in your mom's footsteps for, for many years, which is what we do. And then we're angry. It's not that I wished I had her. I wished I had the person I wish that she was helping me. Yeah. You know, it's this impossible, like wishing someone was different in some way. It's like, that is not our job to change someone. We can only take charge of ourselves and control ourselves. And so we coming to understand and accept this is just who this person was. This is all she was capable of um, because of what she went through and coming to a deeper place of compassion and just literally seeing her for the human that she was doing her best because she was and just recognizing that's just what I got. That's what I got. So coming to a place of acceptance, acceptance. And that was a huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're holding on to fantasies, um, wishing something was different or someone was different. It's just this immature fantasy. And what it's really still, I believe, calling out for you is it's the wound. So those unmet needs, now you give them and fill them yourself. And you are in this beautiful situation now where you have your own daughter. So when something comes up, you know, that little pang of like, oh, it's like, okay, if I wish that this was in my life now, then I create it now. And I have to accept this, this human, this, this one person who happened to be my mother for just the way it was and just accept, 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 accept. Because you're only punishing yourself if you're still holding on to a wish or a, you know, a fantasy that it was different somehow. Very true. And it's, it's a tough, tough one to, to accept. (laughs) But yeah, and I think so much of it, you know, is because you, you do know about how rough her upbringing was in her childhood that same thing. I made, I made that her excuse. I think recognizing that helps me not make excuses for myself, especially when it comes to parenting. I know that I did not expect myself to be good at motherhood because of where I came from, um, because of not having that example, but I'm fucking great at it. It is the best thing that I do. I mean, of course it is. (laughs) Because you are like this highly sensitive, emotional woman, and you know exactly what hurt you, and you know where and how, and so you are going to do everything in your power to 
give and shape and be the like the polar opposite. And so that is just going to be like, so look, I love the way it's so rewarding. I love the way you're speaking so highly of yourself, because I know that that's what you are going to be giving and, you know, creating with, with your daughter. But I have to go back for a second, because when you say like, it's tough, or it's hard, or this or that to like, accept or let go of, of, you know what I mean? Of like, straight up, like, I mean, Jesus, like, you know, if, if people knew back in the day, what you were really going through, I mean, you would have been removed from the situation. Like, really, you know, like it's illegal. No, <laughs> like just, a lot you know. of it was, yeah. <laughs> so, but no one was saving you and no one was removing you, right? It's not actually hard. There's still a part of you, the little girl in you that is still, I'm so glad we're chatting today because there is still a few parts of you, parts being, right? Those past versions, right? The little girl who was six, 10, 12, you know, whatever part of you that she is still actually needing a few things from you now today. Because if you're still angry or you're still holding on to, you know, the wish it was different, then that's what that's telling you, right? So she's still needing just a little bit more, I would say, tenderness just a little bit more of that mothering, nurturing, soft, very tender kind of holding and seeing, loving, validating in those moments. Like, I know this always sounds a little bit silly, but I know that you get this. Like, so holding that part of you, literally, we have to mother the little girl in us who's still upset, asking her, what exactly does she need? Does she need to have a tantrum and, and have a, a yell and a punch and a stomp her feet and this and that? Well, then you need to take her, which is just you, by the way, but you need to give that outlet to her. So however that feels good to you, right? For everybody, this is different, but that anger and that hurt, you know, for some of us, we can literally just journal it out. We can just write it out. We can go for a walk and speak it out. We can go down to the ocean and scream it out. Or for other women, it's like, no, I've got a lot more fierce energy that I need to, you know, I'm a little bit softer that, that way. So that's usually enough for me if that, but for some women, it's like, you know what? go to the fucking gym, put on some gloves or whatever, lift weights, punch something like you got to get it out. So let her have the, the stomping of the feet and the finger wagging or the cry or the scream or the punching, but you've got to channel it out. Right. And literally just get it expressed, get the energy out. And, and I know for, for me, that's, that's always been the struggle. I think the first time that you had me write out you know, a, a sexual abuse situation. And I, it took me three days. I couldn't do it because I couldn't, I had never put it outside of myself. But as I wrote it down, it felt like such a weight lifted. But it was also terrifying because I carried it. And what, I don't know what I thought would happen by letting it out, but it was only good that, that came from. Yeah, we've got to at least speak it, right? We've got to get it 
out of our system, <laughs> speak it, write it, you know, express it in some form. We have to, or else it will fester forever. Forever it will fester. And this is where alcohol comes in, drugs come in, blah, 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 like to try to numb and escape from that festering wound. And this is the whole complicated piece with, with a parent, right, that has abused us in any way in any way. We love them. <laughs> we love them no matter what. We love them. And yet they've hurt us. It's like, what the fuck? So how can I say, how can I express? Because if we love them and we always will, it's like a, you can never escape that. It's your parent and we need them to protect us and care for us or else we're, we're dead. So it's a life and death kind of thing, right? So it gets like trapped because it's just so um, fascinating. It would seem so simple on the outset here. Now she's been, you're a grown woman. She's been dead for 10 years, right? And yet still, we want to protect our, <laughs> that bond. And so oh, I can't say anything bad. It's like, oh my God, it, it's so complicated. And yet it can all exist at once, all of it. We can express and still love, right? We can be angry and still love. And we can eventually, and this is still on the menu for you, forgive, which is just understanding, right? Understanding with a bit of compassion and then forgive and let it go, right? It just And so it's really all, all about acceptance, which is a form of love, right? Just accepting this flawed human who did her best. Well, and also letting go of the other side of acceptance. I mean, I still get so like heated when I hear somebody say the phrase, Oh, it must be nice. Or, Oh, good for you. You know, I call it like the guilt of happiness. So whenever I'm having my own personal successes or I, I did something great, or I'm moving to that next step in life, I always didn't want to share because I grew up around a mother that was jealous and would say things like that. And so I feel, I always held back. And when I finally feel happy now and when I express happiness, it feels so good. And I'm like, I shouldn't be feeling this good. Like, it's so weird. Well, this is your core wound coming up again and again, right? And so whenever you're having those moments, reconnect with the truth, which is you're never not deserving and you're never not enough, even though. So that's still some work for you to reconnect a little more deeply with because that just shows to me right there that, let's say, the full remembering and the full connection you know, no surprise. Okay. Like you were so preciously young when these traumatic things started, you know, to unfold in your life. So the programming is deep. The experiences are deep, but the truth is you deserve every good thing, every joy, every bit of happiness, every bit of health and well-being that's possible, just like everybody else. Right. But I know this core wound well, <laughs> this feeling of not enoughness. I will deny any sort of greatness in my life because somehow I just kind of maybe don't really deserve it, right? I'm not quite good enough, but you are who you are and 
you're always enough. So literally for you, the work moving forward is to drop more deeply, reconnect more firmly with, I'm never not enough. I'm always enough. And I've always been enough. I deserve dot, 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 anything. I deserve it because I'm enough. (laughs) (laughs) I won't make you say it right now on the spot, but that is going to be your work. That is going to be your work to deep acceptance will start to unfold from that for you because I know. And I I feel that that's the path that I'm on. hundred percent. Oh my goodness, woman. You are just like doing so good. So, okay. Please share, please share with us when or where do you experience now the greatest sense of freedom? I kind of struggle with this because I feel like in a way I was given too much freedom as a child in the sense that I was left alone when I shouldn't have been for long periods of time. I was unsupervised. Yeah. No, you needed boundaries and protection and you didn't get any. I didn't get it. And so it's weird to say, but I feel like the relationship that I'm in right now gives me freedom, but it's with attach. I'm, there's an attachment that I like having, but I'm not caged. And so I think that's why I feel right now is outside of shuttling kids around. I, I do have a very good sense of freedom in my choices in my life. And that's honestly the first. I love what you're saying because you actually have a kind of relationship now, which I know we haven't dipped into present moment, but you're in this beautiful, strong, loving relationship now for how many years? Um, four, four, five. Okay. Beautiful with a super strong, wonderful man. And so you're feeling now this incredible protection in like a solid home because you have that firm structure around you now, you're actually able to feel the freedom like in your soul kind of thing, right? In your spirit, because you have this incredible holding around you now. I'm allowed to be my authentic self, which that's a first. Yeah. And yes, the the word home, you know, him and I talk about this too. He was like, you know, decorate, let's put picture. I'm like, I don't know how to settle into a home. And he's like, this is not temporary. Settle in. And it's going to make you feel feel so free. This little attachment is my freedom. (laughs) That makes sense. Yes. We can only be free within a structure. Roaming around with no boundaries and like, no, that's not free. That's scary, believe it or not. Until you have a structure in place initially, And this is what the framework of a solid relationship gives people, or even literally a home base that's always there. It gives you the freedom to then spread your wings because you know you have the the foundation is solid. Yeah. Hmm. I love seeing you happy for me. Oh, oh woman well god you deserve it thank you and you're still so young and like look what you've achieved look from what you've come through to what you are like literally building actively working towards right you're so brave you. to face all these things and to move forward and even to sit here and chat with me okay question number two 
How or with whom do you feel the fullest sense of love? Myself, really. Um, I, I enjoy my alone time. You know, when we started, you had me write a list of like 50 things that I would want to accomplish or do in this life. Oh my God. And I put play guitar as one of them and I've been doing that and it is so therapeutic and helps me process things and and makes me feel good. Like, oh my God, maybe I do have a talent. Um, (laughs) I, I am enjoying my alone time. I love that. I think I'm starting to love myself. And just doing something just for you with like, with your own spirit, like enjoying your own spiritual presence with through music. Oh my God, woman, that is so inspiring. And I love that you brought up that list of 50 things because when we first met, I don't know if you remember this or not, you got to six. I was like, oh boy. I thought you were going to like end okay. our sessions there. Like, I can't work with this one. <laughs> I know. I still, I still don't have, still don't have 50. But. Like right out of the gate. I was like, this woman has just exposed. <laughs> okay. That's something else you're going to be doing is pushing to 50 I because know. again, that's your, your feeling of deserving. Like, what do I deserve? So just to be able to put it on a list, I mean, that just showed me right then and there just how, um, again, how low your self-esteem was, right? Mm-hmm. I can only get to six. I've been asked to put down 50 things. Oh, yeah. And look at you, though. Okay. I I really love the way you answered that, too. That's really, like, for you, that's remarkable, what you just shared about that full sense of love feeling. I I just, oh. Okay. Last question. In the infinity of life where you are, what do you know for sure, Tara? What is your beautiful sacred truth. Oh my God. I feel the warmth in my chest as I, as I answer this, honestly, um, that I am who I am for a reason. And I'm not measured by any amount of worth. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we had so many conversations, especially going through my divorce and everything and and me getting laid off and not having, you know, a, a job title, a net worth just that was dwindling all, all these insecurities of material things and recognizing that I don't, those things can be taken away from me because I don't need them because my value is the way that I love and it's how I show it and it's my ability to give it. And that's what I'm here for. So, and that just feels really fucking good. Yeah. There's something so simple about it. Right. And so beautiful. And it's, it, it is the truth and you know it. Yeah, I do. I do. Like I genuinely feel it, which tells me that that's, it is a miracle. It's a total miracle. Yeah. Oh, it's so profound. And I have to say, you know, when we go through really hard, painful, 
just like, oh my God, I don't even want to tell people about some of the things, right? It, it gives you now the incredible gift. You, because it, what it does is expands your spectrum. <laughs> so your spectrum of, of like experience and feeling is huge. And so it's so just like the whole, you know, bittersweet, right? Because you've had some very bitter, <laughs> but man, oh man, it makes the sweet, the sweetest, juiciest, most heart bursting, just like beyond, beyond, beyond goodness. So it's all, it all becomes a gift. I am who I am for a reason. And the way I love is the gift. Holy fuck, your people are so lucky to have you, like in their life, in their world. You're one of my people. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to reach through and squeeze you. I know. All right, beautiful. Thank you for all those beautiful sharings. I love yeah, you so much. I love you. You changed my life. We were meant to meet. Oh, wow, Tara. Oh, I love the way you answered those last few questions. I'm really going to, I think that's going to be one of my favorite things now is um, hearing how everybody answers those questions. But man, the courage and the determination that Tara has showed in her life and continues still. Oh my goodness. She just like, everything's just getting better and better now because she's done the work. You know, she's done the heavy lifting and it shows. I'm just, I could not be more proud and just like impressed by this woman because yeah, no joke what she had been through and just how tough that can be to go through those kinds of traumatic experiences with our own mothers. <gasps> oh, so if there's anything that really was profound or a really strong takeaway for you, I would love for you to leave it in the comments. Um, and please feel free to share the podcast on Instagram and tag me um, or send me a DM on Instagram. And please make sure you give the give this woman's sacred truth podcast a little follow okay and uh i look forward to connecting with you next week where you're going to meet stacy from australia and learn about oh boy the kind of father wound that she has overcome and how she has successfully eliminated alcohol Whew. okay love you ladies <laughs>